0: For a seed to grow, the soil needs to be right. In a popular parable, Jesus utilizes the analogy of a soil scattering seed to teach of the reception of the teachings about the kingdom of heaven. Everybody alive fits into the different types of soil described by Jesus. Hi, I'm Femi Ossiman, a preacher for the Church of Christ. Thank you for tuning in to today's sermon, The Soil, taken from Matthew 13, 1-9. In this sermon, we will look at the different soil that receives the gospel message and consider how we can help positively impact it for Christ. Hopefully, as we consider ways to assist others' soil, we will also acknowledge our own and work at ways to enrich it for optimal growth of our own faith. Before we moved, I had tried to start to grow a garden. And um, if you've grown a garden and worked around plants and vegetation, one thing that you'll find out is that soil is very important. While all ground will produce something, be it weeds, be it grass, be it just wildflowers, if you really want to grow something specific, you got to have the right type of soil and the right mixture for it. City boy, I didn't know that there was sandy soil. I didn't know that there was clay soil. I didn't know that there was hard soil. I didn't know that there was soft soil. All I knew that there was dirt. Dirt. (laughs) And you put dirt and you get grass, so you get something there. Now, as we all know, some ground or grass or dirt, a lot of people walk over it, trample it, and it makes it hard for things to sprout. But that doesn't mean that it won't produce. Some ground has rocks in it. Some ground is just um, in a bad spot to where there's a lot of animals that come and eat everything that comes on it, that falls on it. If you have a tree that the ground can't get no sunlight, the water will just sit there. It won't seep into the ground and it won't evaporate. So it kind of messes it up. So we know that in life, the type of ground that one encounters is complicated by all the situations surrounding that ground. And so while you might have one seed that will produce, it's very important to understand the ground if you're going to be intentional about producing whatever it is that you're planting. Jesus uses this analogy in Matthew 13 to talk about the world's reception of the kingdom of God. Of heaven It's one message encountering different types of grounds. And what's interesting about that is that it's just one message. and the only thing that's different is where that message falls. So on onset looking at this, we understand that we cannot pick and choose the seed. The best that we can do is try to cultivate the ground in which the seed is planted in or which the seed falls. Matthew 13. I'm going to read the first nine verses, then we're going to jump down to uh, verse 18. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore, then he told them many things in parables, saying... Still, other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. You see, one of the beautiful things about this parable is that, as Jesus tells it, it is applicable to everybody in which hears it. In his context, historically, In our context, as we read the scriptural narrative of Jesus telling that parable to the people, because what he's saying in a nutshell is what we already uh, touched upon is that everybody represents some kind of ground. And when that seed, which is the message of the kingdom of heaven, comes into contact with them, it has one of possibly four. Responses or reactions. It gets plucked up. It doesn't produce. It produces, but yet is not as fruitful as it can be because of other things growing in that ground. Or that seed grows in well-cultivated ground and it is as abundant as it can be. Because it has everything that it needs to succeed everybody falls into one of those categories in regards to the reception of the message of Christ, the kingdom of heaven, salvation in a nutshell. And as I look into this audience, really, we can either fall into one or two places. We are either the ground that has thorny bushes that grow up with the seed, or we are the ground that has a plant that produces, at some rate, bountifully. One or two. Because we've accepted the message of Christ. We haven't stopped coming to church. And something about this gospel message has took place and rooted in our hearts because we're baptized. So we do not have to question if we are of stony ground or of ground to where the birds come and pluck the seed out because we have shown evident in our lives that we fall into the latter two categories. Another thing I like about this, this parable right here is that you don't need a lot of brain power to figure out what Jesus was talking about. All you need is one ability and that's the ability to read. Because when you continue reading, Jesus tells you exactly what he's saying. So we get to verse 18 in the same chapter. Listen then to what the parable of the Sawyer means. When people hear the message about the kingdom and do not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to people who hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When troubles or persecutions comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to people who hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it un fruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to people who hear the word and understand it. They produce a crop yielding a 160 or 30 times what was sown. Exactly what Jesus was saying in a nutshell. That out of all of the various types of soil present in this world, only one type of soil produces the seed sown in it to where it actually grows a crop. As this church is preparing to try to, dare I say, re evangelize Earl, at some instances, Introduce ourselves to people who might not be familiar with us. Reintroduce ourselves to others who have some type of knowledge. We're doing exactly what this passage says. We're going to sow scatter seeds. The message of the gospel. It's only four different responses that we should expect. And it's not upon us to determine how a person receives us. But I will say that we can impact it just a little bit. Because as I started, I was talking about the growing of the garden and the the things that I kind of learned just from that experience. And one thing that I did learn was that a person has some type of ability to change the soil, in which they interact with on a consistent basis. So one of the things that I learned when I had the little garden I was trying to start was that you can create a compost pile. You can actually put together some materials and let them go through some natural process that when introduced to your ground, will make it fruitful and make it better for whatever seed you put in it. Now there's compost, there's uh, fertilizer. There's all type of things that you can put in your ground and call enhancements to make that ground grow. So we have some ability to have a better situation for the seed through some concerted effort. And as sowers of the seed, I think it's up on us to be aware of this. Because if, if we're not cognitive of the fact that we can impact the reception of the gospel, then we might not even try. So we think about this sower. He had hopes and he had desires, but he also knew that some of the seed that he was going to cast out was not going to be beneficial because of the different circumstances, situations in life. And that's a consequence of the sowing, which we just have to understand. But what I would like us to consider is two types of soil, two places of soil. One, the soil we interact with on a consistent basis and our own personal soil. So the soil we interact with, I'm going to classify that as the relationships that we have with people in life. And our own personal soil is us. So what I want us to consider as we think about this parable that Jesus has told about the reception of the the message of the kingdom of heaven is. What can we do to help the soil be productive? Because we see that what Jesus says is that the reason the soil doesn't produce is. Primarily not because of the soil itself, but because of things that interact with the soil. So the first one, he says, is there is some seed that is sown. And this is just along the path where people walk. Anybody has access to it. That one we probably can't do much about because that's the one that everybody is interacting with and we have spend less time with. And those might just be people that we meet cursory in life, the grocery store clerk, the gas station attendant, the ones that we don't really have any real meaningful interactions with, high and by, or just see your face, and you're a familiar face just because where we are located on this planet, We just tend to be around the same places around the same time. That seed that we possibly could throw on the path. That if given an opportunity, we might be able to say a message about the kingdom of heaven, about the gospel, and who knows where to lead. We might even say this message without even expecting much in return. But just think we could present the message. How many times have you been out and it happened to me a time or two and somebody mentions Jesus to you and in a little bit of your heart you was convicted because you said I should have been the one to bring that topic up. You know what they just did? They just scattered some seed along the path. We can do that as well. And I don't think that it's something that comes naturally to everybody, but I think it's something that we could try, we could work on. Incorporating conversations, languages in our vocabulary, that when we interact with people just naturally, we tell them about the kingdom of heaven. It might just be something as simple as I'm on my way to church. Do you have a church you go to? You know what you're looking like, you're having a bad day, I'm going to just pray for you. It could be simple things like that, that put a thought in people's head that focuses them on Christ. That you already know that you're not going to have a lot of time to to cultivate this relationship, but you want to do something to where you're scattering seeds. And we can get there, I believe. It just takes intention. Because this activity of scattering seed by the sower was one in which they intended to do that. A person cannot scatter seed if they have no seed. And we, as Christians, we have seed to scatter. All it is, is the message of Christ. We're not responsible for how a person responds to it. Our only responsibility is spreading it. It's an easy thing to say, but sometimes it's a challenging task to perform. Why? Because we got so many other things in this life that we're concerned about. So many other things that keep us from sowing that it just becomes something that we don't do in a while. And so, as we consider the first seed to which we don't have that much control over the growth, the impact that this seed will have in the ground is just a seed on the path. Just finding ways to just present Jesus in normal interactions with people, even people that we will not even have any other interactions with in life because we just might put something in fertile ground that we have no control over that God is cultivating. Remember there was one time when Paul was talking about the work that him and Apollos did. I planted Apollos water, but God added the increase. We don't know what's going to happen if we scatter seed and that's just seed on the path. Now there's this seed that Jesus said was, On rocky ground, and this is people who hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they'll only last a short time. And when trouble or persecutions come of the word, they quickly fall away. Now you hear that? That was seed that fell on some rocky ground, and it it, it tends to lend itself to the assumption That to some extent, the relationship was a little bit more deeply established in that sowing of that seed. How many people have we seen come to church with somebody and they were gung ho, they were on fire for the gospel until a situation comes up in their lives? And then they stop talking to the person who brought them to church, they lose communications with that person because they just didn't take root of faith. We've seen that here over the years so that I've been here. And while we want better for that person, things in life just come and Jesus says the persecutions, the tribulations that cause that root not, not to take hold. Now what I want us to consider in these situations is if we're the person that has a relationship with somebody who is coming to church, who has accepted the gospel message and who's on fire, consider what it is that we could do to help establish that faith. You know, some of the stuff that we might be able to do is be a little bit more transparent in those interactions with people. So letting them know that when the trials come, the tribulations come in your life, I've already been there. So you don't have to give up just as quick. Letting people know that when you fall, when you falter, I'm not going to look at you any different because I understand that putting faith in Jesus is a difficult thing to do. And sometimes when life happens, it's easier for us to give up. And when we give up, a lot of people are susceptible to fall into shame and we don't want to feel shame by coming around the very people whom held us in such a high regard when we got baptized, who saw a potential in us that was not actualized and now I don't feel worthy enough to be around them. Let them know. It's okay. That's why God extends grace because he knows that we're people and that if we fall off and if we lose faith for a moment and we repent and we turn back, God will graciously accept us. And if God accepts you, I'm not going to judge you for whatever you go through because that's just a symptom of life. Letting those people know who fall away because of the persecutions, the tribulations, that you will openly receive them because God has openly received you. Because what's the other alternative? They lose their souls that root doesn't get established. The eternity that they had touched, that they had had accepted with joy is lost. All because of a human feeling, emotion, thought, understanding. And we as people, I'm pretty sure we struggle through some of that. I'm pretty sure that there was a point when we were spiritually low, that we almost gave up our faith and somebody helped us get back. That we didn't come to church for a spell, that we didn't come to church as people expected, that we didn't look like, act like, dare I say, pretend to be Christians in a moment and people knew, but they didn't shame us. They accepted us and they allowed us to go through our maturation process and prayed for us, with us, helped us, assisted us when we was in trials, when we were in tribulations, so that when we got to a point to where we were strong and rooted, we grew up and we let go of those things that would have caused or have caused many people to lose out on salvation. We know a lot of people who have left the church because they probably didn't feel welcome because of internal feelings. Not anything anybody else did, but internally. But you know what probably didn't happen? Nobody probably reached out to them to let them know, I'm still here for you. Didn't stop by their house, knock on their door, And say, can I sit down and talk to you? Not to judge, not to to, to see what they were doing, but just to show that there was a real genuine concern, care for them. When they were in their troubles, their, their tribulations, their persecutions, and at times they wanted to come back, but they just felt they couldn't because of what they had went through, what they had done, because they knew better. But Jesus says the people that fall into this situation, that fall away, they had joy. And because of persecutions and tribulations in this life, they fell away. And I'm saying, let us consider the possibility of trying to cultivate ground like that when the joy is first demonstrated so that when the persecution comes, they don't fall away. And then there's the other ground that grows with thorns. And what Jesus says is that this is the seed that falls among thorns referring to people who hear the word but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word making it unfruitful. There is nothing to a gardener more frustrating than a plant that grows but doesn't produce. Gets big green leaves, you give it all of the sunlight it needs, you give it all of the uh, uh, water that you think it needs and you see it grows, but it doesn't produce any fruit or vegetables. And what you realize is that it's lacking the necessary nutrients for that seed to take. Whatever it is, it's lacking something. And what Jesus says is for us in our spiritual growth, that's concerns for this world, the deceitfulness of riches. And what happens is that plant could be sitting in church and it doesn't reach its potential because life is happening And they're thinking about all of the things that this life entails. They're wondering, how can I make my financial situation more secure, more better, even as I continue to come to church? And Jesus says that this soil doesn't produce fruit. And dare I say, there's a lot of plants like that in the church. You hear people converse on an abundance of topics pertaining to this life, but it's not rooted in Scripture. So you might leave church and you hear people talking about their favorite sports team. You might leave church and you talk, you hear somebody, oh, over here a conversation to where somebody is telling a kid that they need to go to school and get a good career so that they can be somebody in this life. You, you, you have conversations with, with friends at church and it's all about worldly stuff. And I'm not saying that this stuff doesn't get attention at times in our lives because it do. I like sports. I need money or I wouldn't have a wife and kids. She believed me. (laughs) That's just a symptom of life. And Paul even understood this when he wrote to the Corinthians. Because he knew that if a person got married, then they would have to, out of their Christian obligation, tend to their spouse. So that's not a sin. But what can lead to us not being as fruitful or bearing fruit is. When we put those things in life above God. To where we say, I have to make sure that I take care of this in my life. I got to go out and get a job so that I can have enough money to where I'm taken care of. And what Jesus said is that makes you unfruitful. So what did I say? How we help people with that? We can help fellow Christians learn to see the deeper truths of life and to look past what is physically present for us and to recognize the spiritual implications of what we are doing so that a person, while they're working on obtaining this earthly status, they're also considering how can I improve my spiritual status? What can I do to make sure that I'm bearing fruit in what I believe in Christ? And so that might be altering the conversation at times. Yeah, my child's going to go off to college. Well, what church are they going to attend? What do we need to do to make sure that they are still growing spiritually? How can we Ensure that your child doesn't go out with all of this newfound freedom and not be the person in which we raised. Did you see the game last night? Well, I saw it, but what about the sermon? We can catch the game later. What part of the sermon made most sense to you? What didn't you understand? Let's ask the the teacher preacher about that. Man, I'm thinking about getting a new job. Is that job going to interfere with what God is calling you to? Maybe those are the questions that we can strike up with our fellow brothers and sisters who have believed in this Christian message, who have invested time into coming to church on a regular basis, but they're not bearing fruit. It's difficult. It's hard. But if a church, if a person isn't attentive to that, then what we're doing is we're selling each other short. We're not challenging. We're not, we're not helping each other grow spiritually. And we might be nice. We might, we might love each other. But that love will not translate into spiritual growth. And that's something as a, a congregation that we have to think through because hopefully we will plant seeds that grow and we might even help the ones that are already here grow and and produce fruit at a higher rate with some intentionality. But hopefully as we go out and try to reach citizens in this city and the city around us or just in life, we can get to a point to where when we see a person who, who decides to hang on, that they don't just come sit in a pew and have no growth. Because there's a lot of people in churches, well, it's, it's only one church, there's a lot of people across the church in the world who are not willing to step out and do anything spiritually because they don't have the faith, the confidence That God has given them a gift, an ability, or a purpose for the past, sitting down and coming and giving on Sunday and filling a seat on Wednesday. You see, they're not producing like they could or they should. And dare I say, with intentionality, a congregational person can reverse that course. And then there's the fruit that grows on the plant that's successful because it has been cultivated in rich soil. I would say, if that is you, share your light with somebody else. Help them to get to the same place that you are at. Now, I'll talk briefly about other people's soil and how we might possibly assist somebody else in their reception of the word. And before I close, what I would like us to consider is our own soil. What soil are we? Where do we stand when it comes to our reception of the word? Like I said, it's, it's, it's probably one of the two places in which you fall because we have committed ourselves to coming to church. We have committed to the acceptance of Jesus as our savior. And we demonstrate faith by coming on a consistent basis. But what I would challenge us to think about, maybe not here, but when you're all alone by yourself, when your spouse is in the other room doing something else, when your kids are away, when nobody's there to distract you, think about your soil. Think about, are you producing fruit? That's a tough question to ask. That's why I said, wait till you're alone by yourself with no distractions, because then you can be honest with yourself and you have to wrestle with that question. And you really have to consider, am I producing fruit? And if so, what does that fruit look like? How can I tell that I'm producing fruit? What is that fruit? Looking like Because we know when we have Produced in this world We get a raise We get more friends We get more things We have a greater influence on people There is some measurable standard That we can objectively see That shows when we're producing in this world But how do we measure if we're producing in church? Are we getting stronger in our faith? Are we talking to more people about the gospel? Are we having more meaningful conversations with the people we talk to? Have we stopped doing some of the sin that we were doing last year? You see, these are all measures and there's more which I say that we can see if the seed has actually produced fruit in our lives. Because the last thing we will want to do is to lie to ourselves and say that we are at a place to where we're not because we haven't did the tough job of self-reflecting on where we are with God. It's easy. it's easy to just come to a place, and that's anywhere. I'll say work. It's easy to just go to work. Once you get the job, if you just go there on time every day, there's a high probability that you'll keep the job. But to actually advance in it, you have to be committed. You got to be willing to follow the rules even when everybody else is not. You have to be willing to have integrity to hold yourself to the company standard, even when you might not necessarily have to. And you have to be willing to do that, not with the hopes of getting a raise, but with the mindset that I'm doing this because this is the right way to do it. You see, in the church, it makes it difficult because our reward is fully received after we die. And so while, while we have this notion that we're going to go to heaven, it sometimes makes it easy for us to not live up to our calling because all my reward's later. I'll get that later. And God has grace for me. And my, my reward is heaven. That's, that's how I know I made it when I get to heaven. But dare I say, if we look for other things that give us, that, that, that gives us a sign that we're on the right page, I'm pretty sure we can find them in our lives. What are the type of things that we're allowing in our soil? What is it that we dwell on? Is it things that's of this life or things of a spiritual nature? What is it that we do? Where do we put most of our time? Is it things that are going to perish in this world or is it with activities that we will continue in the next life? Who do we spend our time with? Is it people who are going to go to heaven Or people who have no regard for godliness and whose soul is going to perish because they are bad soil. And if we start reflecting on those type of things in regards to ourselves, I think we will get to where God wants us to be. And that's difficult because it's easier to look at your neighbor's lawn and to see how green or how green, how green it is or isn't. But when you look at your own lawn, you're forced to consider what you can do to keep it up or to make it better. Where do you have to weed at? Where do you have to remove rocks from? What needs watering? All of those type of things are things that we should consider for our own spiritual growth. And as we consider it for ourselves. Also see how we can help somebody else grow spiritually. By helping them till their soil. Because that's what a community of Christians is for. It's for the benefit of the body. The gifts are for the body. So that we can all come to the unity of God. And if we don't do that then we're not going to bear as much fruit as a collective. We might bear fruit individually, but as a collective, we're going to miss out on some of the pros that we could bear. I just was trying to get us to consider Jesus' parable in Matthew 13, because it touches all life, all everybody on this planet, and to see where we fit. And hopefully we do the hard work Of one, growing ourselves and two, helping others to grow so that everybody that says they want to grow spiritually that comes here actually does that. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local Church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, And you will make heaven your home.